everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we turn our all-seeing eye to the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who's we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Hello! Usually at this point there's a gag inspired by the subject matter of our podcast but I, I, I lacked inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, the fact that you gave just a very generic hello is perhaps <laughs> like the best like reference to this film that we could possibly manage. Because yeah. really, really sums up what this film is all about. Yes. This film, of course, being Blue Beetle, the 2023 film directed by Angel Manuel Soto, written by Gareth Dinner Alaker. And based on DC Comics characters created by Charles Wojcicki, Joe Gill and Tony Tallarico, Steve Ditko and Keith Giffen, John Rogers and Cully Hamner. And That's a lot of people to create a superhero. It is indeed, because it's actually a lot of people to create three, sort of almost four superheroes. Okay. Because I don't know, I'm assuming Mick Blue Beetle's not a character that you're that familiar with. I've seen him turn up in odd episodes of animated DC shows like Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go and stuff like that, just as a sort of occasional character. But I've not really sort of had much exposure to him. He basically appears to be a sort of DC equivalent to Iron Spider. He sort of, he's kind of, I guess the best way, and I assume the way he has been for doing the comics is based like a C-list Batman. Right. Okay. Like, like basically the, well, uh, it depends. Like, I guess this Blue Beetle, the Jaime Reyes is more Iron Spider-y sort of Iron Man. Yeah. Which probably helps if I just break down what Blue Beetle's deal is. So the first Blue Beetle was actually created by uh, Charles Wojcicki. And I'll just apologise, this one is going to be especially rough for names. Because, I mean, this this is a man whose last name is spelt W-O-J-T-K-O-S-K-I. Wow. So, like, Wojtkowski? He really wanted to win at Scrabble. That that sounds like he's put an extra consonant in his name just so that it'll stretch over to the triple word score. Yeah. I mean, given famously how much I struggle with simple names like Aquaman. (laughs) Yes! It's it's really not fair. So, anyway, first Blue Beetle was a guy called Dan Garrett. And that's Garrett with one T, which will be important. That's uh, where the T. That's where the T went for Wachowski. He nicked the T from oh, Garrett. He did. He stole the second T. So Dan Garrett was created in 1939, and was envisioned as just a completely new and original superhero. Honest Gov, never even heard of this Green Hornet fella. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's just, you know, what if there was a man and he dressed in a, a blue suit and left a blue insect symbol about the place? 
Right. So, despite, you know, that being just a real knockout, one in a million idea. Yeah. Kind of, the, you know, I almost just call them the Green Hornets. The Blue Beetle, he kind of faded into obscurity after like a few years. Then he got revamped by Gil and Tallarico, the second team, in 1964. Uh, still Dan Garrett. This time he's got two T's though, so they, they stole that T back. Uh, and that was for Charlton Comics in 1964. And they kind of revamped him into more of a, an archaeologist and brought in the whole magic scarabangle. Uh, that lasted for about two years. Then Steve Ditko came in and created Ted Cord as the second Blue Beetle. Before that got bought up by DC. And that kind of for a while was kind of the main Blue Beetle was Ted Cord. And kind of he was often portrayed as sort of this slightly schlubby kind of overweight. Literally, like I say, C-list Batman. Like the joke was he was on the Justice League with the character called Booster Gold. Yeah. So I think, do you know Booster Gold? Um, I, I, yeah, again, he's another one that I've heard of, but not really. I mean, famously, we were robbed of um, Booster Gold's introduction to the Legends of Tomorrow. He appeared in the final episode, final two episodes, arresting the Legends, and then it got axed. Yes, but look at Donald Faison, wasn't he, from Scrubs? Yeah, yeah. Which, that's such a good casting, and I'm, I'm very annoyed that got cancelled. And that Lois yeah. and Superman continued. That's the most annoying thing. So is is that show cancelled now? No. Oh, my God, still limping on. Yeah, it's got another season coming. I mean, I guess that is the thing about Superman, is is he's notoriously hard to kill. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Blue Beetle. So, oh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yep. So actually, with Ted Cord, there's kind of a link to actually one of our favourite DC things, Peacemaker. Because mm -hmm. much like how Peacemaker was the inspiration for the comedian in Watchmen, Blue yeah. Beetle is the inspiration for Night Owl. Right. And that's also the whole like Dan Garrett, Ted Cord thing is why there's two Night Owls in Watchmen as well. Right. So, uh, just to round things off then, Ted Cord was killed off in 2005 as part of the Infinite Crisis event. And then that also introduced Jaime Reyes as kind of the new Blue Beetle. And that was kind of the, when they turned the character more from just kind of a, a Batman-y, you know, as his gadgets flies about in a flying beetle to the more like Iron Man can do ray guns and fly and zippy-zappy. Yeah. That sounds exactly like the treatment for this movie. I think that's what they pitched to producers. He's got gadgets. He flies around in a beetle and he's quite zappy zappy. We'll buy it! Yep, we'll buy it. And we'll buy it as an HBO streaming movie. Or maybe, no, no, let's put it out in the cinemas. What, marketing? You want marketing? No. <laughs> Yeah, which actually it's interesting because we were just talking before the show started about how it turns out for a lot of these streaming companies, it's actually the most if they have on streaming, like the more expensive it is, is for tax. 
Yeah. So I assume that's probably why this got pushed out in the cinemas instead. Could well be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Batman oh, yeah, just it, like watches from the wings. Yeah. But, scowling but, furiously. But it'll still end up on HBO Max, won't it? Mind you, they'll probably ditch Doom Patrol season four B for it. Yeah, I'm. I'm still very worried that that's not actually going to come out. Yeah. When did TV become vaporware? Um, I mean, basically, as soon as streaming took over as the default. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So yeah, I had. I mean, the the best thing that my experiences of Blue Beetle had going into this movie was that I had no preconceptions. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit I've. Like, not got a huge amount of love for Blue Beetle. I think I like Ted Cord because I like that era of the Justice League where it's like a bunch of weird C-list characters on the team. And kind of I've seen Jaime in a few cartoon things like Young Justice and Batman the Brave and the Bold. And he seems nice and he's got a very cool looking outfit. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. Yeah. So yeah, so I I didn't I wouldn't say I had low expectations. I had no expectations. I did not know what was coming my way. Yeah, although as it turns out, maybe you already knew exactly what was coming your way mm. because Could well you've be. seen a superhero film before. Do you, do you do you know do you know the the biggest moment of thrill I got from this movie was spending the first five minutes going. Is that Susan Sarandon? How how exciting a game. And it turns out, yes, it was Susan Sarandon. Yes. Yeah, I won that game. Well, then did, did they give you a little badge? No. Oh. No, what they gave me was the rest of the Blue Beetle movie. And frankly, it was a disappointing prize. Anyway, before we get too far into thoughts, shall I give a synopsis? Give a synopsis. Go on. So, as always, spoilers ahead. So, Jaime Reyes, played by Sholo Maraduena, returns from university to his hometown of Palmera City, only to find that his family is at risk of losing their home. His sister Malagro, played by Belissa Escobedo, gets them jobs as cleaners at the home of Victoria Cord, played as Mick, spoiled for all the audience at home, played by Susan Sarandon. I mean, to be fair, it, it's not much of a mystery. It's not like she's behind a mask, is it? She takes her hood down in the opening scene. Yeah. And to be fair, if you two if you two now want to play Is That Susan Sarandon, we've given you a leg up because yes it is. <laughs> wow, your friends and family with your Hollywood expertise. So yes, and Victoria is the CEO of Cord Industries. Uh, Jaime get, however, Jaime gets them both fired after interrupting an argument between Victoria and her niece Jennifer, played by Bruna Marquezine. Impressed by Jaime's attempts to defend her, Jennifer invites him to come to Cord Industries the next day so that she can find him a job. Uh, Jenny has her own reason for going to Cord, though, as she breaks into their lab and steals an alien scarab that Victoria was using for her one-man army corpse project of cyber... Omak! What now? Omak! I remember Omak. I've seen Omak in other stuff. Uh, 
Well, that's where Mac been in. He's, he's, I've seen him in like other comics of DC. Oh, righteous com- Yeah, not in a, yeah, not in another film. Just popping up here, there, and everywhere as a sort of well, sometimes as a sort of goody, sometimes as a sort of baddie, sometimes as a you're not quite sure. Yeah, because I think there's been multiple different versions of Omac. The original was kind of like a sort of Captain America knockoff, where he's like, yeah, the idea of he's, he's you know he's as strong as a whole army, but in one man. It's actually yeah. a Jack Kirby creation. Yes. And, but yeah, more recently he's been kind of used as like a sort of evil robot, yeah, soldiery thing. Actually, one of the villains in Infinite Crisis, the, the same thing where Ted Cord was killed off. Oh, Inky Dink? Probably not. But, it was just one of those Infinite Crisis throw everybody in there. Yeah, and I assume it was, well, Infinite Crisis is when Jaime was introduced, so it makes sense to pull from that for some of the story. Yeah. So anyway, to avoid security, Jenny hides the scarab in a big belly burger box do like a like a nice big belly burger cameo, mm-hmm. uh, and gives the box to Jaime, telling him not to open it. Jaime opens it. Then ah, the, that's unfair. Yeah, to be fair, he does get basically bullied by his family into opening. He it. does. He, there's a lot of peer pressure there. Anyway, after opening it, the alien scarab jumps on him and latches onto his spine, causing an armored exoskeleton to grow over Jaime giving him various powers, such as flight and the ability to create weapons, which are, of course, of a zippy-zappy nature. Don't you just hate it? When you, you you know, you find an alien scarab, you open the box that it's in, and it attaches itself to your... It really ruins your day, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I certainly don't like it when the radioactive slash alien slash magical insect bites me and I gain bug-themed superpowers. Mm-hmm. And then a beloved family member dies, and I swear to use my powers for like great responsibility. Yes. Anyway, hoping to discover the truth about the scarab, Jenny, Jaime, and Jaime's uncle Rudy, played by George Lopez, break into Cord and steal a watch with the key to Jenny's father's with the key to Jenny's father's Ted's secret lab at his mansion. That was too many apostrophes. It was. It was. At the lab, Jaime and Rudy learned that Ted used used to be a superhero called Blue Beetle, who spent his life studying the scarab before mysteriously disappearing. While this is happening, though, Victoria and her robot henchman Carapax, played by Raoul Mark uh, Trujillo, capture the rest of Jaime's family. Jaime races back and tries to save his family, but is incapacitated and captured by Carapax. During the fight, his father also dies from a heart attack. Jaime is taken to an island fortress, where Victoria copies the Scarab's code into Carapax, upgrading his Omax suit to something far more powerful. Uh, Jenny and the rest of Jaime's family launch a rescue mission using Ted's old equipment. They help Jaime escape, and he's able to defeat Carapax, sparing his life after the Scarab reveals that he's also been used as a pawn, after after a cord bomb killed his mother. As revenge, Carapax sets his suit to self-destruct, 
killing Victoria and destroying all traces of the scarab-improved OMAC tech. In the aftermath, Jaime and his family start to rebuild their home, and Jenny becomes the new CEO of Cord. Then she and Jaime do a big kiss. Post-credits, a screen in Ted's lab flickers on as Ted delivers a message for Jenny that he isn't dead, continuing the proud tradition of DC sequel hints that will never, ever be followed up on. <laughs> yes. So, I I remember that in the run-up to Blue Beetle's release, there were a, a, a number of interviews and snippets from James Gunn, and uh, one of the ones that stuck out for me was that he said that whilst Blue Beetle was not the first movie in the new rebooted DC universe, the DCU, as opposed to the DCEU and the DCAU, this is just the DCU, now... Well, from from now on, not this film, obviously. But Blue well, Beetle well, is, is it not this film or no? No, he said he said quite categorically that Blue Beetle is not part of the DCU. It's not the first DCU film under James Gunn's stewardship. However, he said Blue Beetle is definitely the first DCU character. So from that, I've gathered that the DCU stands for Derivative Content Universe. Because you kind of alluded to it before the synopsis, but this is every superhero movie I've ever seen. Done badly. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it necessarily does anything badly. It just... It doesn't do anything does... well. It, I think it does what it does competently. It's just what it does is the same thing that we've seen like hundreds of times now. Yeah. Um, but for me, it, it doesn't work. The, the snarky sister is the snarky sister. There don't really seem to be that bond there between brother and sister. It feels like an actress playing a snarky sister rather than, you know, being believable. Um, they make um, they make Jenny Cord superficially attractive until such time as she needs to look like an adventurer and then they turn her into Lara Croft for no apparent reason she does get a bit Lara Croft <laughs> uh, there's no uh, and again there's there's no kind of there's no kind of will they won't there with the Jenny thing. It's kind of from the minute they first meet, you go, Oh, we know where this is going. There's no sort of teasing you along and maybe throwing you a left a curveball down the line or anything like that. It's just yeah, she's a love interest. Oh look, they've kissed. Yeah, um, I mean I think that's kind of Again, with the film, it's very much a, here is the main character, here's the family, nice dad, slightly overbearing but well-meaning mother, wacky grandma, wacky uncle, yeah. snarky sister, here is the love interest, here is the villain, here is a scene where we try to give the villain some kind of depth, but at the end of the day, she's just a baddie who is bad. Yeah. Here's, you know, 
the bit where he gets his powers and oops, oh no, he can't control them. Oh, wacky. Yeah. Look, now he's now he's learning to control them. Look, here's the villain who's got you know the same powers as the hero, but bigger and bad. Now they do a fight. Now the hero learns a lesson about not doing murders. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and that's the thing. It's it's a it's a movie that for me f- plays into the whole narrative that's going on about them. The fact that we've got superhero fatigue now. There's comic book fatigue going on in the media. And for me, this this kind of accelerates that feeling. Yeah, I mean, I do in general think the idea of superhero fatigue is a bit overblown. Like, I think, I mean, look at something like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Mm. Like, you know, that did well. People love that. But it's just... Yeah, but I think that's... You need to be... do something interesting with what you do. Like, it's yeah, not I... enough to just... Like, the concept of a superhero is no longer enough to, like, build a whole film on. And I, I, th- I, think, I think you're right. But I think what they've done with Blue Beetle here is almost what Marvel did with Iron Man, but they've done it at the wrong point. In the DC, E, A, U, X, Y, Z, right? The Blue Beetle is that Iron Man kind of superhero that is a bit B-listy, maybe even C-listy. So if it's not a huge success, nobody cares. But if it takes off, brilliant. Unfortunately, at this point, people aren't expecting C-list heroes to have their own movie. Guardians of the Galaxy that took that C-list team and turned it into a global phenomenon. And it's only because the previous two films have been enjoyable and the winter special as well that people people turned up to watch the third. We wanted to see how those stories completed because they've been engaging stories throughout and they haven't been cut from some kind of cookie cooker template but blue beetle is it's the movie that no one asked for telling a story that no one cares about using tools that have been used time and time again yeah and i think a big part of what the problem's been as well is if this came out as it was originally intended just as a streaming thing I think probably more people would watch it and just go, oh yeah, this is a nice little superhero thing yeah. that they've done. But it's because they've made it like one of their big tentpole cinema releases. Yeah. Like, I, I think know. that's put it under a much harsher light. And I think possibly, I think possibly DC, DC are, are, are possibly likely to suffer comic book movie guilt, uh, fatigue faster than marvel marvel are throwing the content out there and there's still more hits than misses and i think they've learnt from the over saturation of the airwaves with with content uh, but dc are now 
a little bit behind the curve in so many ways. I mean, there doesn't even need to be a coherent plan anymore. That you know, we've got the Batman series, or well, franchise that exists separately from the Joker franchise, which exists separately from James Gunn's proposed DCU franchise, with Blue Beetle sitting somewhere in the middle of being part of the DCEU, but also not being part of the DCEU. Yeah, and I think it's all, it's because all of it is just, well, if we put this out and people like it, maybe we'll make it part of the DCEU, but if not, then we'll just say it wasn't part of it. Yeah. And the, 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 it's still the case that the only bit of the DC universe I'm enjoying at the moment is Harley and Ivy. And I don't even like that. No. No, but there was a beautiful Snyderverse joke in last week's episode. I refuse to believe it. They literally turned up in a post-apocalyptic future using a time sphere. And, and Harvey just turned around and went, who died and let the Snyderverse people take over? It was a thing of great beauty. I loved it. But I love the series. You're wrong. Well, we shall agree to disagree. It's the only corner of the DC universe that gives me any joy. It's got Alan Tudyk as the Joker. It's okay. I'll just leave you in your little stinky corner and you you have your fun mick they took away my doom patrol they, i mean they're bringing it back at some point maybe are they though are they i don't know mick i'm so scared <laughs> i just want to know how oh. things wrap up Oh, or will it suddenly get released on Blu-ray with the words "the complete series" as a way of telling you that no, they're not releasing any more episodes because that's what they did with WandaVision. No official announcement that there won't be a series two, just a Blu-ray release that says "the complete series." I assume it was season one up until Multiverse of Madness didn't do as well as they hoped, and then it became the complete series. <laughs> anyway, back to Blue Beetle. Yeah. Oh, must we? Yeah, I, I just can't think of enough to say about it. Well, I will say on the positive side of things, I, th I think the Blue Beetle suit looks good. Yes. Yes, it does. Like, but I by like this point, they actual... should be able to do a functional-looking superhero suit. I mean, you say that, I remember Amelia Clark's tiny baby Drax arm. Well, yeah, but that wasn't DC, was it? No, it was. And I mean, you say that the Flash's suit wasn't very good. Well, yeah, but, you know, you say that. It, it had one excellent property. That it covered up most of Ezra Miller's face. Exactly. So in that way, it was an excellent suit. Very true. But no, I, like I said, I think having a practical suit looks good. Um, CGI is pretty good, given that it's like a lower budget film. Yeah, yeah. 
It's just. And again, I I, would, I think everyone gives like fairly solid performances. It's just that not working with anything that's that interesting. Yeah, I mean, Sarandon doesn't do the um the usual thing where these big act- Hollywood stars turn up in comic book movies and chew the scenery. She doesn't do that really. She's a solid villainess. Even though there's no depth to the character, but that's not her fault. She didn't write it. I hope. That'd be weird, wouldn't it, if they started letting actors write their own parts? Yeah. I mean, I guess they do sometimes like rewrite bits of it, don't they? Like, yeah, but it's only bits, yeah. isn't it? Actually, I'm kind of disappointed now that she didn't get to be like more scenery-chewingly big. Well, yeah. Because it, it, it needed... It's... it's it's a beige comic book movie. It doesn't surprise you. It doesn't. You go you go into the moments of high peril and you just know everything's going to be all right because it's that formulaic. Yeah, pretty much. I'm not a fan. Can you tell? I can't. Like, I think I probably liked it more than you did but i liked it as a yeah that was all right yeah but i i, I don't know maybe i'm thinking oh no not another movie about a superhero i don't really care about yeah i think that probably sums up blue beetle it's a uh, if you want to watch just a fairly standard superhero film and like i know you've got a few hours to kill maybe it's a rainy sunday then it's a pretty good watch but if you're not that fast about watching yet another superhero film you're probably not gonna have a good time with it no like it's i'm gonna be honest you've not seen before no i'm gonna be honest i genuinely only watched it for the podcast I had absolutely no interest in this movie outside of oh yeah I'm doing a podcast on it soon had we not been had we not planned to record this episode I probably would have let Blue Beetle slip me by until it appeared on ITV4 sometime in 2027 I mean if we weren't doing it for the podcast would you actually have known it came out Uh, yes yes I would because I saw a trailer for it when I went to see something I actually wanted to see. I say wanted to see. No, no, it was something I wanted to see. It was Guardians 3. And it wasn't, I, I won't call it a trailer, it was more of a sort of promotional sneeze. One of yeah. those ones where it's like coming soon. I mean, literally all the adverts we've got for it have just been like tacked on the end of something else. Oh, by the way, Blue Beetle's coming out as well. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's not great. I will say quite a few parts of this plot did seem quite contrived as well. Oh, you think? Yeah, like I think the big one for me was when Jenny gives Jaime the 
spokes with the scarabin and just, you know, shuffles him out the door. And apparently this, you know, multi-billion dollar tech company working on cutting edge security software doesn't have automatically locking doors when it goes into lockdown. Yes. And then yes. doesn't have anything to stop them just like breaking back in the same night. Yeah. It... I mean, unless all the security measures are tied to DNA and because Jenny has got called DNA, it's fine. But no, it's... it's... Yeah, and again, it's probably one of those things I wouldn't have noticed or cared about if this film had just a bit more going on. Yeah. Yeah, there's no there's no there's no sort of there's no proper sidekicks really to divert you. I mean I guess Uncle Rudy's Other than his kind crazy of family. And, and this is this is it. This is what this is what really bugged me about it. Is it, it... Oh how oh, oh, bugged you. Ah. Uh, Oh no, that was completely unintentional. I've just made the coverage of this film more interesting than it should be. Right. Um <coughs> The thing that I didn't like about it was that it pulled elements, it borrowed elements from other things, but it wasn't subtle about it. So um his his family the the eccentric characters in the family reminded me of the group of um, criminals that um, Ant Man surrounds himself with that help him out. Yeah, they are basically like his little crew, aren't they? Where they've all got yeah. them, they're all kind of wacky quirks. Yeah, um, and that was it. It was like, oh, They've pulled that interesting bit from that franchise. They've pulled that interesting bit from that franchise. They've done that interesting thing there that they did in so-and-so. And it, it, it's almost, rather than watching a movie, you're sat there making comparisons with other movies in the in the genre. And for me, that's that's not a great thing to be doing. Yeah, I think especially it's bad for this film. Because even like going in, just the entire concept of this version of Blue Beetle borrows very heavily from Spider-Man and Iron Man, who are now like two of the biggest superheroes in the world. Yeah. It's already going to invite those comparisons. Yeah. And you know, if if you've got faith enough... Even has a snarky AI in this, just like Tony Stark does. Exactly. So, you know, you've got... If you're going to take a character like Blue Beetle and and do the movie treatment on him and hopefully turn him into a sort of Iron Man or Guardians of the Galaxy overnight success, you've got to be doing something more ambitious than this. Yeah. But but again, they didn't because they assumed this was just going to be a streaming film. Mm Mm-hmm. And but I think even 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 in today's landscape, there are so many comic book properties that are on streaming. You know, even as a streaming movie, it's got to go up against things like. Um, and let's take it away from superheroes. Just, let's just say comic books as a whole. You've got things like the Old Guard. You've got. Um, 
all the Disney Plus stuff that's streaming from Marvel. You've got um, all the HBO shows that are still there from the Arrowverse and other bits and pieces. And, you know, you've got to ask yourself, how does this compare to something like, you know, I, I got much more enjoyment out of watching Stargirl, who I probably had as much previous exposure to as a as a character. And it was a much more enjoyable romp, even though it was a TV series rather than a, a film. It was far more enjoyable than Blue Beetle because it was something new and some of the, some of the characters were different. And did something a little bit different with your established perception of them. Yeah. Closer to say it annoyed me that like a bunch of Ted Cod's gadgets were just weapons. Yes. Which when Jenny repeatedly said, we don't make weapons anymore. Except for this like mini gun that he's got apparently. Yeah. Because I mean, because some of them were generally quite fun, like the bubble gun that expands into like a big foam cushion thing. I do think we need a spin-off mo- movie featuring the Nana. Yeah, I will say the the Nana was like the one genuinely fun character in this, which is just like this retired Mexican revolutionary. Yeah, but it, again, it felt like it felt like a, a a rinse and repeat of Blind Al from Deadpool. You know it. It was that kind of wacky, here's a person that you're going to completely underestimate, but actually, they're like this. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's basically been a pretty common trope in films since, like, Arsenic on Old Lace or something like that. Yeah. Just the idea of, oh, they look like a harmless little old lady, but ah, they're actually a secret, like, ex-marine or something. Exactly. So, you know... Even even that bit that was quite quite a nice moment and quite quite a fun character twist wasn't actually that much of a twist. Yeah. And again, I don't like that what she's wielding is just I mean, like I guess it's sort of multicolored and shoots out bright lasers, so it's like it's a fun gadget, but it's not. It's just a gun. It's a gun. Yeah. It's and, a gun. And then as well, you've got like the power glove thing that can make like a giant fist or a shield or something, which is like, they make this whole joke about Ted Cord being like a C-list Batman whose gadgets yeah. only kind of sort of work. But also he's got this super advanced like hologram technology. Yeah. So he's a sort of bat lantern. I mean, I would say half the stuff he has is better than what Batman has. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, I'm running out of things to say about it. It, I'm having the same problem with Blue Beetle that I have with X Men movies. Yeah, where there's just nothing that kind of really sticks yeah. with you. Have I seen it? Did I did I watch that one? What's the plot go like? Yeah, I definitely remember that happening, but I thought that was happening across three movies. Well, in that case, shall we go ahead and rank it on our big list of films? 
Yes, let's let's do that. Which is going all the way from a history of violence at number one. I think it's safe. Down to Greenland. Oh, no. All the way down to Spawn at 57. Mm, yeah, it's, it's still better than Spawn. Yeah, I... As, that is a very low particle, yeah, but it doesn't. What? <laughs> what? What have we got outside of that? Well, I, I was going to run through a few things because we've mentioned them on the show. Uh, at number 24, we've got the first Iron Man film. Right. Uh, a bit lower than that. Well, actually, yeah, if I just run through this whole thing, we've got Iron Man at 24, Blade at 25, Watchmen at 26, From Hell at 27, uh, The Old Guard at 28, and X-Men at 29, which are, again, two we've mentioned. Uh, then we've got, like, Quantum Mania at 30 and Black Adam at 31. I'd, I'd be tempted to put it above Quantum Mania and Black Adam. Yeah. I, I definitely feel it needs to go below the old guard because the old guard, although it wasn't that impressive, it did a better job of making me understand an unpopular, well, not unpopular, but not famous comic book property than Blue Beetle has. Yeah. And it had Charlie's to run in. And I definitely want to put it under X-Men because X-Men is basically like the thing that kicked off the whole super like modern superhero craze. Yeah. Well, right, let's do that then. Yeah. So there we go. Blue Beetle coming in as our new number 30. Marvellous. No, it's it's a DC one Mick. Hey! Badum See, if only Blue Beetle had chokes of that kind of calibre in it. Absolutely. Yeah, that would have lifted it. So, now, all that remains for us to do after we've said goodbye to our loyal listeners is decide which of the very many TV shows and movies that have been delayed until 2046 we're going to do next yeah that's got to think we might actually be able to catch up with all the stuff we haven't covered yet yeah but anyway that's a problem for the future yes till then that's about it from us if you want to listen to more you can find all episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts and if you subscribe to the show you'll make sure you never miss an episode and in fact, going back to places where you get your podcasts, do you know one place you can get the podcast is on Apple Podcasts? Which is, is it? Now, yes. Which is now the popular. Don't you have zone. to pay them 50p just for saying that? Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> Other fruit based podcasting platforms are available. Are they, though? No, they aren't. But the reason I mention it is that. The Apple Podcasts feed for our podcast is now the top result on Google for Behold Podcast. Take wow. that, Christianity Podcasts. Yeah. Which I think that means 
we are now officially bigger than Jesus. Wow. But are we as big as the Beatles? Um, I mean, the like, Jaime Reyes seems pretty short, so yeah, I think we're bigger than that Beatle. All right, okay. So, if you want to get in touch, our email is boldpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on X at BeholdPod, an account which still technically exists. On X? X. The, the site formerly known as Twitter. You know what? I'm, I'm declaring it. This, this is officially the end of it. Mm-hmm. No, like... Don't follow that account. I've not updated it in like a year. And Elon Musk can go swivel. I don't care anymore. (laughs) Anyway, if you are a fan, we'd appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. I've been Mick. And if you've been affected by any of the jokes in tonight's episode, then, uh, I don't know, seek therapy or something. We can't help you, clearly. Yeah, if you have, I assume it's because you're Elon Musk. And what are you going to do now, Elon? Now that you're not getting all those sweet behold follows, that's your website dead. He'll sue. Oh no, yeah, he might actually... <laughs> <laughs> he, he does seem like the kind of guy where if you ever heard this he would sue us <laughs> so yeah hopefully we'll be back bye everyone sometimes I'm really glad I'm just a mere co-host <laughs>